You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So the main goal today, the goal, is to turn our attention to the Detroit Lions. What exactly that means, I'm not sure, but I'm kind of conflicted on how this week is going to go as far as the layout of it. And part of the reason is, and I'll be honest, I haven't even talked to JJ about this, but... What I'm going to do, in fact, I'm since I don't go to work today, I'm going to pause this and do it right now just to make sure it's done. I'm going to put a link in the description of this show. For some reason, people have a real hard time stopping, taking out their phone, and clicking on the description and finding the link. I mean, not a hard time like they can't, just, you know. People just don't like doing stuff, you know? I'm the same way, like, hey, click this link. Like, nah, I'm good. I got to, like, pause it and hold it and click Ah, but anyways, I'm I'm curious about your feedback. Generally speaking, we got a lot of positive feedback about the episode that happened on Saturday. On Saturday, it was JJ interviewing me about whatever. However, when I say very positive feedback, I mean five people reached out and said that was a great episode. Now, I don't know if that means maybe 50 diehard fans of the show thought it was the greatest thing ever, and a thousand people thought this is useless, and if he does it again, I'm going to unsubscribe. I have no idea. So I'm going to put a link. It's a survey. And the only reason I'm doing that instead of the Facebook group is because I feel like some people with the Facebook group, because I can see your head, are going to be like, eh, I'm going to say that I liked it because if I say it's not good, then they're going to see that I said that and I'm going to feel bad and they're going to be mad at me. This way you can be completely honest and just say, look, cool, but please don't do that again. Just stick to football. Because I'd like to know. Because it would honestly, it, the reason that I'm considering doing that a little bit more often, or at least something in that format, is because if we can record on Thursday, the episode, or excuse me, on Friday, the episode for Saturday, that gives me all of Saturday morning to work on my YouTube channel, which is a massive benefit. I'm not trying to push you in any direction. I want to know, please don't tell me it was great if you hated it, because I don't want the show to suffer. I want people to like the content. That's that's the most important thing. So you need to Please do the survey, and please be as honest as humanly possible. Now, it doesn't necessarily... I'm going to put an option in there as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be about me. It can be strictly about football or whatever. But just the format of doing that, and and I don't have to prepare is the other part of it. Well, why don't you just record on Friday? I mean, I could, but um, I don't have to do the work. And plus, it would be several hours when I do the podcast and all the work that goes into it. And I don't think the wife would be okay with me just disappearing Friday afternoons for that long. So anyways, there is a link in the description to a survey. Please respond to the survey. Let me know if you liked it, didn't like it, whatever. And that will kind of decide what we're doing with the schedule. But I figure at the very least, we need to assume that it's not going to be in-depth on the Lions on Saturday. So we're going to start today talking about the Lions. Before we get there, though, big, massive, giant thank you to Oscar. And I don't remember if I said thank you to Dan Adko. Let's just just do this. For this month, uh, Mike Hammerberg, Dan Adko, and Oscar yesterday, uh, or this morning, I guess, jumping in on Patreon. Thank you guys so very much. We're actually starting to go backwards. We're getting more people leaving than joining. Again, I understand it. It's Christmas time. COVID is, is definitely hitting certain people. Um, some of you maybe just don't like the show anymore. Whatever it is, it's fine. 
Um, but I do appreciate seeing some of you guys jump on board. It really means a lot. And Oscar, thank you so much. That is above and beyond. Really, really do appreciate the support. It means a lot, uh, not just financially, but uh, there's, there's a hint of validation in there, you know. I'm not going to lie. When you start seeing a lot of people unfollow on Twitter and people start leaving on Patreon, it's like, oh, man, what did I do? <laughs> I'm, I said something. I must have thought it was paused and went on some kind of a rant or something. I don't know. Maybe I fell asleep and recorded myself in my sleep saying I hate the Packers. I don't know what happened. But um, feels good. I do appreciate that. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support. If you can support the show, it would be greatly appreciated. If supporting financially is not in the cards, which I completely understand, again, the best way you can support the show is doing it free and just letting people know. Talk to your neighbor, talk to your brother, talk to your cousin, your grandma, your uncle. Let them know about the show. Invite them to the group. Invite them to the page. Just bring them in. All that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. All right, anyways, enough of that stuff. I almost said nonsense. It is not nonsense. This is kind of cool. It's actually updating live as I'm sitting. I just clicked back on it, and I'm getting responses already. I put it up on Twitter as well as uh, Facebook. So, anyways, the Detroit Lions. Why don't we start here? We're going to start with the injury report um, because, honestly, the biggest thing right now is the Lions injury report. Usually it's the other way around. Uh, right now it did not practice. we got Jay Sternberger and Equinemius St. Brown. We already know these guys are probably not going to play. Everybody else seems fine. Jair is good to go. Kevin King is limited, but he's, I believe, fine. Nazard is, is limited. Uh, Mercedes has never not been on the list. Very rarely doesn't play. Uh, Lucas Patrick, J.K. Scott, Zadarius was full participation. That's about it, man, as far as guys that are planning on playing. So, so far, assuming nobody tweaks anything, we're, we're full go against the Detroit Lions. But again, the big thing is the Lions injury report. Now, they need all the help they can get. And the biggest thing that I know about the Lions, and it's not a ton, I'll be honest, I haven't really been staying on their heels, but the one thing I know definitively is that this is a night and day different team when Kenny Galladay plays and doesn't play. Kenny Galladay has been out quite a bit this season. Uh, He did not play weeks one or two, which was the last time we played the Lions. They didn't have Kenny Galladay. That was obviously a nightmare for them. He came back, played weeks three, four, six, seven, eight, and that's it. So he's played five games this season, and in reality, it's only been four. Because week eight against uh, Indianapolis, he had 18 total snaps, meaning he didn't play the whole game. He also had a 44 overall grade, which tells me he wasn't playing very well. He was probably injured while he was playing. Didn't make it through the whole game, got pulled. However, in the four games that he actually, in all five games so far this season, he has an 81.6 overall grade. It's actually his highest grade this season. This is actually extremely reminiscent of what we saw with Matt Stafford last year. Stafford was hurt almost the whole year. The team was 100% night and day different when he played and when he didn't, which is completely understandable because Stafford isn't that bad of a quarterback and their backup was putrid. But not only that, it was actually when he played the best season of his career. He just was never on the field, and that's kind of similar to what we're seeing with Kenny. Now, I don't know the exact status, but I'm looking at a note here that was updated on the 4th of, of December. It says, Galladay is out of commission with a hip injury. He will miss an extended period of time. Now, I know he's already been out for a while, but again, that was on December 4th. It's not like this came out week 9, and it's like, yeah, well, it's already been an extended period. He might come back. So I don't see anything that says he's 100% out, but... It doesn't sound good. And in fact, that's kind of, as I'm pouring through some articles and whatnot, that's kind of where we're at right now, um, as far as the Lions beat writers and whatnot. 
they're more or less kind of holding their breath, hoping that he's going to come back, hoping he's going to come back. And then they found out that he didn't practice. And the general tone and tenor of it is, that's not a good sign. Kind of as obvious as it is, but it's kind of a somber, like, shoot, he's probably not going to play again, is he? Now, it gets worse because that's not it. Tyrell Crosby, their offensive tackle, C.J. Moore, the safety, and Jeff Okuda, their very early first-round pick, also not practicing. Now, keep in mind, Tyrell Crosby isn't exactly an elite football player, but he has been their right tackle basically all year. He seemingly went out in Week 13. He only played 19 snaps. For reference, the week before he played 82, 56, 59, 75. So 19 is pretty clear, and again, the grades were real low. He went out in this game. Um, he had, Again, he's been their right tackle all year. Now, this offensive line has been struggling. They have uh, Halapalavati Vaitai, who is the guy that I was, I was saying that I thought was a pretty good pickup. He could play right tackle. Uh, he didn't end up playing Week 2. I think he was injured that week. He did come back. They decided, I believe, they decided to keep Tyrell Crosby over there at right tackle. When Vitae came back in week three, they just kept him in at right guard. He did play a little bit of right tackle in week eight to substitute out or whatever. Then he went back into right guard. The point is, though, he is now on IR, so he's out. So he's not a replacement at right tackle anymore. He's also not a replacement at right guard anymore because he's on IR. The only other guy that's played significant snaps at right tackle, and it's actually more than Vitae has, is Mr. Matt Nelson. Matt Nelson also happens to be the worst offensive lineman on this entire team. He's played 94 snaps at right tackle. That's the only uh, position along the offensive line outside of 21 snaps at tight end, which usually when an offensive lineman plays quote-unquote tight end, it's just a six-offensive lineman group, and he just comes in on the end. But uh, 43 overall grade, 48 pass blocking, 40 run blocking. He's allowed uh, zero sacks, but two hits and two hurries with only 94 um, total attempts at uh, right tackle, which isn't great. For reference, I believe David Bakhtiari has given up seven pressures. I don't know how many snaps. I don't feel like looking it up, but let's say five, six, seven hundred, somewhere in that range. I would guess around seven, seven, seven to eight hundred actually is probably where he's at because Tyrell Crosby's at six hundred. Point is, 4 out of 94, and even Vitae giving up 10 in 54 is pretty bad. So I don't know if that's going to be the answer, but it's it's a very big deal. And I don't I don't know Tyrell Crosby's going to be out, but if he is, that's that's huge. Because your right guard and your right tackle are out. That means you got Mr. Ode Abushi over there at right guard, and this just terrible guy that nobody's ever heard of, Matt Nelson, presumably playing right tackle. Uh, looking at our lads, it's the only other tackle on this list. You got Tyrell Crosby, Taylor Decker, who's the left tackle, and Matt Nelson. Um, again, it's possible they're going to kick out a guard or something. I don't know. But you got a tackle, they're probably going to put in the tackle. I don't know what they do after that. But actually, I can look at this right now. Tyrell Crosby did go out last week. They did put in Matt Nelson at right tackle. So uh, pending any kind of a massive audible, that's going to be the plan. That's who we're going to see if Crosby can't go. Uh, just for reference, last week, and this granted, this is against uh, Khalil Mack and the Bears, but uh, 51 attempts at right tackle. He had a 29 run blocking grade, a 46 pass blocking grade. He gave up two hurries in that game, which is, I mean, it's very similar to what we see about Billy Turner, right? Well, that's pretty great, right? Why did he get graded out so poorly? He only gave up two hurries. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I tend to think that Matt Nelson probably didn't do very well against Khalil Mack, and the fact that he didn't get 60 sacks, you know, I don't know. Draw your own conclusions. I'm going to say he's not great. And again, at right guard, I do believe it's uh, Mr. Ode Abushi. I don't know if I've been saying his name wrong all along, but that's what I've been calling him since forever, so I'm sticking with that. 
And uh, another thing that our lads has is uh, Mr. Uh, Jonah Jackson as well as Logan Stenberg as their guards. Those guys are both 2020 third and fourth round picks, but again, um, it doesn't look like that's the case. I don't think that Stenberg has won that job. In fact, he hasn't taken a single snap all year, so he's just not ready. It doesn't appear that he's injured, he's active, he just must suck. So Mr. Odeabushi has slid in at right guard. However, Jonah Jackson is the left guard. He also has been terrible. Abushi uh, has always been terrible. So that is to say, with the exception of the left tackle and center who are pretty quality offensive linemen, this thing is falling apart. And I, I feel like I'm saying that about so many teams, which again makes me so grateful for the Packers. It's also why when I do my mock drafts and I get trashed constantly with the offensive line, whenever I pick, you don't know what you're talking about. We have a really good offensive line, right? The Giants and the Jets, Giants and Jets fans have done nothing but trash me in the comments section about the fact that I'm trying to build up their offensive lines. Guys like George Fant, give me a break. But you start to see stuff like this. The Lions had a decent offensive line. I don't know if it was ever elite, but they had a pretty decent offensive line last year. A handful of guys leave, they try to upgrade it, they try to do a couple things, and now they're in the same position as every other team right when they're on their pending collapse. Well, when we get so-and-so back, we'll be fine. That's what they all say, pal. So again, we'll see how it goes. As of right now, they might be in a bit of trouble uh, up front. And by a bit, I mean this is not good at all. Um, Taylor Decker is a solid left tackle. He's currently ninth in the NFL as far as his rank. Uh, Frank Ragnow is third overall uh, as far as centers go. But, you know, the, the biggest issue with offensive line is it's sort of a weakest link kind of a situation. It's hard to run block well when run blocking, and I've learned this a lot, thanks especially to watching some of the stuff that Coach Hahn has put out, how much it all revolves around everybody doing their job. And really, when a failed run play fails, it's usually just one guy didn't do a simple thing. And so if Frank is trying to combo block with O'Day, and Ode decides, now nah, I'm not even going to touch him, I'm going to go up to the next level, it's, it's going to get ruined, it's over, or whatever, right? So, I mean, it just, it causes a lot of problems, similarly with pass blocking. I mean, it's it's great if, if Taylor Decker's doing his job, but if Matt Nelson can't block Rashawn Gary, what does it matter if Decker can stop Preston? The answer is, it doesn't. It might help a little bit, because some of these sacks come when the entire offensive line is getting compressed, and if it doesn't get compressed on the side of Taylor Decker, maybe Stafford can escape off to that side, whatever. But, um, I mean, it just, it hurts. It's going to hurt a lot. And that's just the right tackle we're talking about. As far as the receiving goes, I mean, they they still have decent receivers. Uh, Marvin Jones, I don't think, gets enough credit for being such a solid number two. I think the issue comes in when he has to step up and be the number one. And similarly, Danny Amendola, who's actually graded out higher. It is a solid trio, but I mean, it's, it's no different than if if um, Devontae goes out. And granted, the Packers do fine when he goes out, but this is not the Packers. Everybody kind of gets shifted upward. So now you got Marvin Jones as your number one. Danny Amendola stays your slot guy. Everything defensively kind of shifts to the attention of Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones goes from a solid number two to a subpar number one. It creates problems. The biggest benefit I think they have is TJ Hawkinson, who's really taken a big step. Not a, as a blocker. He's still not a very good blocker, but as a receiver, he's having a really solid year. So again, I mean, if we just look, and it, granted, it could somewhat be a coincidence, but again, Galladay didn't play the first two weeks. They lost the first two weeks, and they lost narrowly to the Bears 23-27. Galladay possibly could have made a difference in that game. That was my contention at that time. 
He comes back week three, and they beat the Arizona Cardinals 26-23. They lose to the Saints in week four with Galladay on the team, but they almost, I mean, it was 29-35. That's a fairly close game. Week six against Jacksonville, he's still on the team. They win 34-16. to That was their highest scoring game with the exception of this past week against the Bears when they had that massive comeback. Then week seven, it was Galladay's highest graded uh, game this season. He was an elite wide receiver. They end up winning that game 23-22, to so despite his best efforts, they only mustered 23, but still, it's a win. So on that stretch with Kenny Galladay, they go 3-1. and one. Week eight is when he went down. They lose to the Colts. He's still down. They lose to the Vikings. They beat Washington, but they only win by three. They play the Carolinas, lose to Carolina, lose 20 to nothing. They lose to the Texans, 25 to 41. And then again, they did manage to come back and beat the Chicago Bears, 30 to 34, without their uh, star wide receiver. But again, we're looking at a, a team that is three and one with Kenny Galladay, and what two and six without him. So I mean, again, the the point is, it's a massive hit without him, but they still have some pretty good receivers. So the the Packers need to still be on their their toes, especially Hawkinson. We know how the Packers tend to struggle, um, especially with you know Raven Green being out. Um, Darnell Savage, obviously, we love his stats. Um, he did not actually grade out all that well, so I think there's some. He kind of struggled in coverage a little bit. So I, I wonder if there's going to be some question as to how to stop Hawkinson. I know last time it was largely Christian Kirksey and Darnell Savage. Um, Christian Kirksey was uh, three targets, three receptions for 43 yards. Darnell Savage, one target, one reception for 19 yards. So four targets, four receptions. Nobody really made an impact in stopping TJ Hawkinson that week. Granted, it didn't do much in terms of them winning the game, but it still stands. we got to find somebody that can actually disrupt and stop TJ Hawkinson from catching some of these passes. Uh, Kirksey and Savage weren't exactly able to do it. Kirksey had a 45 overall grade. Savage had a 61 in that game. Jair was a 90, just throwing it out there. And that is actually important, the, the Jair thing, because it's going to be a similar matchup. He was mostly matched up against Marvin Jones, went up a couple times against Jamal Agnew, a couple times against DeAndre Swift, but it's going to be largely the same guys, and that's that basically, to me, although it could have just been a fluke game, tells me that Jair matches up really well against these guys. Um, C.J. Moore, I mentioned, who was injured as we continue down this list, uh, mostly just a special teamer, actually entirely just a special teamer, so that's not that big of a deal. However, we know how bad special teams has been recently, so I guess a guy that actually grades out decently as a special teamer uh, not playing, it's a good thing, right? We'll take it. And then finally, Jeff Okuda. Now, Jeff Okuda, as I mentioned, uh, real worried about him. When the Lions drafted him, you know, getting a lockdown corner is always kind of a scary thing. However, um, although he has gotten a little bit better since weeks one and two, uh, or that's not true, he didn't start until week two, which was his worst game of the season, 28 overall grade against Arizona, 35. It has improved a bit. His overall is still a 41. He has not been playing very well at all. Plenty of potential for him to kind of step up and do some better stuff. But at this point in time, they're basically just forcing him in there because he's a number three overall pick. And if you bench your number three overall pick, you look like an idiot. Now, the, the GM is gone. But even so, I mean, it's just, it's it's Jeff Okuda. I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's one of those things that we got to just keep him out there. He has to learn. He has to get better. He's plenty talented. We're not benching him. We're not going to rock his confidence. We're going to tell him, you're great, bud. And then we're just going to assume he's going to be trash the rest of the year. And hopefully he can learn something in the offseason to become better. Um, as far as NFL passer rating, 
uh, the last three weeks have actually been the worst weeks of the season. Um, week nine against the Minnesota Vikings, which obviously is a ridiculously hard matchup for anybody. 158.3 was the passer rating when targeted. Three targets, three receptions, 61 yards, uh, one touchdown. The next, next week against Washington, again, three targets, three receptions, 63 yards, 118.8. And then the week after that, Carolina, six targets, six receptions, 79 yards, 118.8 again. Uh, the last time he had a pass breakup was week seven against Atlanta. In that game, nine targets, five receptions for 51 yards. In total on the season, 50 targets, 38 yards, 579 yards given up, 187 after the catch, one touchdown, one pick, one pass breakup, 112.0 overall. Now this is the guy that's currently injured and not playing, but again, it's it's similar to what happened with the Vikings where it's like, well, they're injured, but you, but you got to understand, this is, they're bad, but it's only going to get worse from here. That's the point. That's the problem. Now, in this case, this might be one of the rare cases where an injury actually improves the team because, again, they're forcing him out there despite being so terrible. But in his absence, we're looking at Amani Aruarie, um, who's probably going to be their number one guy. He was a fifth-round pick in uh, 2019. Kind of, he was one of those guys that really fell. Some people thought, you know, he could be like a second-round pick or whatever. He made it all the way to the fifth round. And, of course, Lions fans and everybody else think, oh, they got a steal. He's going to be a freak rather than thinking the obvious, which is, wow, he must not have been as good as we thought. The draft community got it wrong. He had a decent rookie year, but he's been terrible so far this year. 72 out of 125 is his current rank. On the other side, you've got Mr. Daryl Roberts. Um, Daryl Roberts is having the worst year of his career, which has not been a great career. Seventh-round pick out of Marshall in 2015. He is currently ranked as the 103rd overall cornerback out of 125. And then you have Mr. Coleman, who I really thought was going to be a good pickup. He had a pretty good couple years with Seattle, 2017 and 2018. Took a massive step back in 2019 with the... um, the Detroit Lions, and now has taken another step back. He is currently a 53.6 overall, 83rd out of 125. So the best corner they have is ranked 72nd out of 125. That doesn't even include the fact that their uh, second safety, uh, J. Ron Curse, is 82nd out of 90, one of the worst safeties in football. And their two linebackers, Tavai and Jones, are ranked 81st and 55th out of 86. So Jelani Tavai, that second-round pick that we all laughed at, and Lions fans said, no, 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 you guys know what you're talking about. He's going to be really good. He's super athletic and all that stuff. He is currently one of the worst linebackers in football. Um, in coverage, he's ranked 68th out of 76. Christian Jones in coverage is uh, 42.5 overall grade. He must not do it very much because he's not even ranked, but let's just say he's absolutely horrific, and they're not going to... If he's ever accidentally in coverage, like if they're playing zone or something, they're going to pick on this guy all day because he's one of the worst coverage linebackers in football. To continue on with moving away from injury, this defense doesn't have, from what I can see, a single quality defensive player with the exception possibly of Deron Harmon, the 2013 third-round pick, the safety, who is good, not great. That's really, really all I can see. They've got Reggie Raglan and um, Christian Jones who play off the edge. I know I mentioned Christian Jones as an inside linebacker when they play nickel. He's So that's that's one of the things that Detroit does that's kind of weird, that is kind of that Bill Belichick-y thing. You see the, the Detroit Lions, the Miami Dolphins, some of those type of teams do that. They have a sort of edge inside linebacker hybrid. That's not generally something that you see like a Mike Pettin team do, but that is something that they will do. Same with... Uh, um, 
Jamie Collins, who they brought over, he's kind of one of those guys. I think Miami picked up one of those guys that acts in that role. Doesn't matter. They're not very good. Collins, by the way, a 55 overall coverage grade when he's in coverage. So they don't have any good coverage linebackers. They don't have any good pass rushers. They don't have any good defensive linemen. They don't have any good linebackers. They don't have any good corners. They have one good safety and one of the worst safeties in football. That is the Detroit Lions defense. Their offensive line is a nightmare. Um, The running back situation is a mess because they don't know if DeAndre Swift is going to be coming back. Adrian Peterson scares everybody, but he's currently got a 57 overall grade, 60th out of 66, which is to say one of the worst running backs in football. Kerryon Johnson, 54th out of 66, also one of the worst running backs in football. DeAndre Swift is clearly their best running back, uh, 28th out of 66, but again, there's question about whether or not he's going to play. Um, He right now is currently limited. Uh, Matt Stafford is limited with a right thumb injury. Kerryon Johnson is limited with a knee injury. Deshaun Hand is limited with a groin injury. Austin Bryant limited with a thigh injury. My thought is most of these guys are going to play, but I mean, it's just a nightmare. Not only is Matt Stafford injury, it's a right thumb injury, right? Kerryon with a knee. I mean, come on. This team is bad. They're broken. I'm sure they're riding high. You know, that that's the other thing. You know, they're they're kind of riding high off a big victory over the Chicago Bears now that their defensive minded coach is gone and we got Bevel and we're gonna be this great offensive powerhouse and you know, whatever. As though he wasn't calling the plays anyways. I you know, it, it's kind of similar to the Vikings, but to a much lesser degree. You know, you kind of worry a little bit about the offense, but the defense is such a mess, and there's so many other problems like the offensive line you just don't super worry about. I know that's scary because we just lost to the Vikings, but you got to understand, this is, to a much lesser degree, a scary offense. Matt Stafford is not Kirk Cousins. They also, the Minnesota Vikings have the second and third best wide receivers in football. The uh, best wide receiver that the Vikings have is their tight end, TJ Hawkinson. I know he's not a wide receiver, but I'm just, I'm making a point. Again, I don't know Galladay isn't playing, but it just, the cards are so stacked against the Detroit Lions in this game. It's really just kind of a nightmare. The one benefit, I guess, that they have going for them is that it is in Detroit, but the negative is it's a dome. Rodgers really likes that. He does, I mean, you know, I mean... If anything, you, you want to get as many things in your favor as possible, get some wind gusts, get some cold weather, get some rainy, sloppy stuff so that the Packers make some mistakes on occasion. You want to try to get lucky a little bit, but this is a white-hot uh, Packers offense that just hung 41 on the Bears, hung 30 on the Eagles, uh, you know, 31 on the Colts, and they're going up against Detroit. I mean, they, they're nowhere near as good as a defense. I mean, th- those are three pretty good defenses. The Colts have a stout defense. They hung up 31. The Bears, they hung 41. The Eagles, at least with that stout front, 30. This is like the Eagles if you get rid of their defensive line. Then it's suddenly the same team. So it's just, it's a nightmare. Anyways, let's take a break here. We'll come back and uh, talk about something else. So I'm, I'm trying to independently verify this. Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do because you got some stats of guys that played for different teams and whatnot. But I had Mr. Ludlow um, on Twitter, L-U-D-L-O-W-F-N-L, reach out and give me this little stat. And again, I'm trying my best to independently verify it, and so far the numbers look like what I've been able to find. I tried to just plug in all the different quarterbacks that I can to see what I can figure out. This originally came from a guy that um, his Twitter handle is Butkus Stats. Butkus stats and analytics. He says, Bears history alert. 
With his performance against Detroit on Sunday, Mitchell Trubisky regained the crown for best passer rating in Bears franchise history at a mark of 86.1 for anybody with a minimum of 300 pass attempts in a Bears jersey. The closest challenger is Jay Cutler at a rating of 85.2. Again, I've been able to at least verify that much. I also plugged in a couple other quarterbacks, um, and all of those line up with exactly what he has here as he continues on. If we lower the bar to 250 attempts, Josh McCown has a commanding lead with a passer rating of 101 on 279 attempts. If we go lower to 200 pass attempts, Brian Hoyer, the destroyer, has a rating of 98 on 200 pass attempts. The list, with a minimum of 300 pass attempts, goes Trubisky, Jay Cutler, Nick Foles, uh, you got Jerry Kramer, Jim McMahon, I'm going to mess up the first names because he didn't list them and I don't know, but Walsh, Miller, Craig, Matthews, and Luckman. I know Sid Luckman. That is absolutely staggering to me. Mitch Trubisky, and it's not to say passer rating is the be-all, end-all, but... Based on passer rating, Mitchell J. Money Trubisky is the number one Bears quarterback in history. Oh, oh, that franchise. I am so happy. Please leave, never leave the NFC North. That makes me so, I cannot, I can't even describe to you how happy that makes me. Again, I don't think there's much question that Trubisky's far worse than many other quarterbacks they've had, including Jay Cutler. But still, 86.1 isn't that great. The fact that all these other quarterbacks were worse? Wow. Poverty franchise. That's really all there is to it. Anyways, look, I mean, the the, the thing with the Lions is fairly straightforward. And I've, I've told you all year, crazy stuff happens. There's no guarantee the, Lions, or the Packers don't beat the Lions. There's none. Um, no matter what, it, it's not just because the Packers are super volatile. I mean, if it was the Steelers, if it was the Chiefs, there's always a chance. Um, I mean, there was basically no chance Washington beat the Steelers, but it happened. But the biggest thing that you notice from this team is the fact that they have never beaten a good team this year. That is, unless you think beating the 6-6 six and six Arizona Cardinals um, is a big deal, in which case, cool. But that's the best they've done this year. The next best teams they beat... The 5-7 and seven Bears, who were 5-6 and six obviously before they beat them, but that's true of all these teams. The one loss comes from the Lions. So the 5-7 and seven Bears, the 5-7 and seven Washington football team, the 4-8 and eight Atlanta Falcons, and the 1-11 and 11 Jacksonville Jaguars. That's it. That's all they've beat. They beat one team that is a 500 team. And that was, by the way, before the bye. So even if you look at it after the bye, they uh, beat the Jaguars and the Falcons. They lost to the Colts and the Vikings. They beat Washington. They lost to Carolina, Houston, and now beat the Bears. And, and that's the other thing is they're also losing to bad teams. They lost to Houston and Carolina, both very bad teams. In fact, they got annihilated by Houston and Carolina, who are bad teams. Carolina, the score was 0-20. to So we talk about this offense that's, you know, fairly competent. They scored zero points. And also by fairly competent, I mean... Right now, this is the 19th overall offense. That's not very good. It's the 31st overall defense. That's horrible. I mean, there are, if we look at, let's say, since week 8, the only team that didn't score a ton of points was the Carolina Panthers. Indy scored 41. Minnesota scored 34. Washington scored 27, which, you know, it's whatever. Carolina scored 20. The Texans scored 41. The Bears scored 30. I know they beat the Bears, but that is now tied for the most points the Bears have scored all season. The defense is horrible. 
Anyways, that's about all I got. There is one other thing, because I'm... Whenever I get into an argument, I need to bring it here. It's not football-related, so if you'd like this uh, to end with football, you can feel free to take the time off, and I will talk to you tomorrow. For the rest of you, I'd like to talk about Christmas. Um, as you might know, I am from Illinois originally, and I've come to find out that Wisconsin people are wrong about a lot of stuff. It's not their fault, they just they don't know. They constantly want to argue with me about things, and they're, they're always wrong. For example, um, my wife gets upset when I say things like, bag. B-A-G, bag. Because in Wisconsin, any time an A follows a G, for some stupid reason, it's pronounced A instead of A. For example, bat, bam, back. But when you put a G there, it's bag. And they think it's weird, even though they're the ones that have this weird little rule where you have to switch it. And they're like, I don't even know how to say that A. Yes, you do. You say it when you say bat and, and everything else. Bam, ban. Literally every other situation where it's a three-letter word and there's an A in the middle, it's a whatever it's called, soft A, A. But you change it when it's a G to A. That's just one example. So the Wisconsinites are wrong about that one. It's not bag, it's bag. It's not tag, it's tag. Apparently, there's this other tradition. It has something to do with St. Nick. I thought we were all on the same page as St. Nick. He's a fat guy that flies around reindeer. And uh, he brings you presents, puts them under the tree. St. Nick, ho, 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 right? Apparently, people in Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin maybe, I don't know, have a separate system in which St. Nick is a different guy. I'm now being convinced by Mr. Blaine here that uh, he's reconciled it in his brain by saying St. Nick is Santa Claus's brother. Chris Kringle is Santa Claus. Nicholas is Santa Claus's brother. He's an, also a fat guy. He comes on December 6th. He fills your stockings with fruit and sometimes candy and stuff. But fruit is a part of this pr- tradition. This is, what I'm, this is what I have to deal with. I'm being convinced that fat Santa Claus has a fat, fruity brother that brings you apples on the 6th in, in a stocking that you hang on your... Cr- this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Of my Now, my wife has been doing this for a while. She's been trying to convince me. I already had this discussion. It was stupid. But I guess I don't care. You want to go to Walgreens, stuff a sock full of candy, and just hand it to us on the 6th. Okay. I guess on the 6th I'm going to eat candy that you just bought at the store. I, I, I don't understand this. The whole thing's dumb, but whatever. But it's painfully obvious that you're wrong about this. Every Everything about Christmas tradition is very straightforward. No Christmas movies, no Christmas songs talk about Santa Claus's fat brother. In fact, it's pretty straightforward. Here we have Gene Autry explaining exactly who St. Nick is. Ready? Here we go. Up on the housetop, click, click, click. Down through the chimney with good St. Nick. Now, I didn't play the whole thing, but the click, 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 by the way, on the rooftop are the reindeer. So what this song is referring to is a fat man that flies around on reindeer, lands on your roof, comes down your chimney, puts presents under the tree, and his name is Saint Nick. And now I'm being told, yeah, well, people just forgot the real history. Which, first of all, none of this is real! It's a fake tradition that we made up, and you're trying to get me to abandon classic songs like this have to just go in the trash because it's completely wrong. St. Nick is not the name of Santa Claus, apparently, even though Google says it is. It's another name for him is St. Nicholas. That's where the whole stupid tradition of Santa Claus comes from is that guy that went around and, like, did stuff, right? That's where Santa Claus comes from. 
You're not going to convince me on this. This is stupid. I'm sorry that this was your childhood and it means something to you. But you have to understand that you've been lied to. Technically twice, but you've clearly been lied to on this. I know it just never clicked in your head until you were 30 years old and somebody from Illinois came up and explained this all to you, but the fact of the matter is St. Nick is already a name that's taken, and it's taken by a guy named Santa Claus who comes on the 25th, he flies on your roof, he comes down your chimney, he puts toys all over the place, and then he leaves after he eats all your cookies. Or not all of them, he usually eats about half the cookies, about half the milk. I don't know why he leaves all that there, presumably because he has a lot to get to, but what is really the difference when you're eating thousands of cookies anyways? Just finish the cookie, stop making a mess, we got insects. Insects is the word I said. St. Nicholas is Santa Claus. Here's an article from National Geographic. How St. Nicholas became Santa Claus. The surprising origins of Kris Kringle. <laughs> so, listen, I moved up here for a reason. I love Wisconsin. You guys do some stuff wrong, that's fine. You don't make pizza correctly, no big deal, the pizza's adequate. You're starting to build portillos around here, so I get that. I've got a couple Chicago-style pizza places in the area. I'm good. The people are nicer up here. The government isn't as garbage up here. Things are more spaced out. The Packers, the whole nine yards. I, Wisconsin is a better state. I like it up here. You just you, you don't do some stuff right, then that's fine. But don't try to tell me that everything about Christmas is wrong because of southeastern Wisconsin's tradition about his fat brother, that brings you fruit on the 6th. Not doing it. Not playing that game. I love you guys. I love you, Blaine. Love my wife. There's, there's no big deal in having like a, a separate tradition. But just understand, there is the tradition that is Christmas, Santa Claus, where St. Nick is Santa Claus. Chris Kringle is also Santa Claus. There's a bunch of different names for the fat guy. We usually just refer to him as Santa. By the way, Santa means saint. Just throwing that out there. It's in Spanish, which is weird. I don't know where that came. It's probably part of the... Again, it all kind of melds together, right? Santa Fe means saint faith. Strangely enough, Santa Claus apparently means female saint. I don't know. Whatever. I, I you know, I don't know where it all comes from, but it's, it's... Listen, it's simple. It's very simple. You put the sock on the fireplace Christmas Eve, right? You put your couple presents under the tree on Christmas Eve. So there's like five presents. You know, there's a tree with the, the, the pokey needles all over the floor. You got the socks hanging up there. You put out cookies. You put out milk. You go to bed. The fat guy flies in. You can check him on the radar. He's telling you where he is, and you better get to bed because he's coming. He's going to be here pretty quick. Get to sleep. You lay down there. You go to sleep. You wake up the next morning. There's cookie crumbs all over the place. There's a half drunk glass of milk. There's a, a well-lit tree with a stupid little thing going around in a circle that's motorized or whatever. And stockings are now filled with stuff, candy, and G.I. Joes, and there are five billion presents under the tree, a lot more than there were yesterday, because yesterday's were just mom and dad's presents, and today is all Santa Claus's presents. He showed up one time, he was busy on the 6th, he was helping the elves build the presents, he was not flying around, nor was his fat brother, that he doesn't even have a brother, he's an only child. I know that because I know that, it doesn't matter how I know that, I just know. And that's it! That's the end of the story! And then he flies home, he takes a massive nap, he hibernates like a bear for like a month because he's crazy tired, because he flew around the whole freaking world, and now he's sleeping and that's it that's it the elves get to work on next year's presents he wakes up after a couple months gets to work on his stupid little list to find out who's getting presents and who's not although that list is basically it's all good i mean everybody's getting presents except for like four kids they're probably in mental hospitals because you got to be super whacked out of your head to not get presents i mean i know i did some terrible stuff i got presents every time 
I guess it wasn't that terrible, but that's my point, right? I broke some stuff. I lied a couple times, said I had a cold so I couldn't go to school, even though it was really is just that there was a test I didn't want to take or didn't study for or homework I didn't do. You know, I told some lies as a kid. I still got presents. So I don't even know if he has a list. I think the list is just a threat. I think it's all fake. I think he's just like, hey, you better watch out. I'm going to put you on the bad list. And really, it's like, I, I, he probably, you know what? I bet he had a list back in like the 50s. Now, he just gave up on it. He's like, I'm not doing this. It's too much work. I'm getting old. I'm getting rid of this stupid list. I'm going to pretend there's a list. I'm going to give everybody presents. And if, if a bad kid gets presents, it's just like, well, that was like a, you know, you better watch out next time thing. Does this all make sense to everybody? Good. Good. And for those of you that didn't know that this tradition existed, I didn't either. I lived across the border. I was in northeastern Illinois. Never heard of this stuff. Because apparently just a, about an hour north, this is what people were doing. Ruining Christmas. Like just, I mean, just, just, I mean, just disrespectful. We're all like in agreement, you know, listening to Gene Autry. Ho, ho, ho. I mean, that that's in the song also. Ho, ho, ho. So his brother also says, ho, ho, ho. Flies on the roof, comes down the chimney, and gives you fruit on the sixth. I mean, give me, get out of my face. Saint Nick. This is stupid. Saint Nick is Santa Claus. Anyways... Apparently there's some spot in Pittsburgh or something they do this to. I don't know. Just stop doing that. I mean, listen, again, if you want to, do it. But just understand, you're doing like a weird thing. That's it. You're, you're the weird one. Not us. We got it straight. We got it down pat. Boom, boom, boom. This is what you do. This is the thing. All the songs agree. All the movies agree. Done. If you want to try to have a separate little holiday that kind of confuses the whole story, but you want to roll with that, just do it. But don't try to tell me that what we're doing is wrong. You're out of your mind. Have a good day. I'm done. I'm out of here. Now I'm all angry. I'm going to go eat some of my St. Nick candy that's upstairs for some stupid reason. And um, that's it. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>